Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a Black woman in business. Today's episode is all about getting on the shelf. We're chatting with Grace Alea, the founder and CEO of her self-named company, which started in 2014 with protective hair accessories and is now expanding into a full lifestyle brand. She's approaching $9 million in annual gross sales, and her products can be found at major retailers such as Ulta, Sephora, Macy's, and Nordstrom. Welcome to Sisters 8 Grace, and thanks so much for sitting down with us today. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> you started with just one product, the slap or a satin lined cap, which you created in response to one of your own experience. Can you tell us the story? Yeah. So in 2013, I, I'm half Kenyan and half Nigerian, and I was visiting my mom's native Kenya and all of our family out there. And at the time I had heat straightened hair, my hair was uh, chemically straightened, but I had a relaxer in. And I was uh, also in the summertime in Kenya. And so we were driving back and forth to the coast. We had a round trip, it was probably like a 12 hours round trip to the coast. And I was bumping up against the headrest for about that all those 12 hours. And my mom had warned me, you might want to wear a scarf because it can be really dry, really dusty. And again, like I said, my hair was already compromised. And unfortunately, I didn't take her advice because I was on vacation and I wanted to look cute. And unfortunately, I got about a two inch wide uh, hole of breakage in, in, <laughs> in the middle of my head, right where my head was bumping up against that headrest. And it was devastating and it kind of started the wheels turning of there has to be something out there that is stylish enough for me to feel cute to wear on vacation, but also that is protective of the hair. And so that's where the wheel started turning. And over the course of the next year or so, I kind of just let the idea form, started looking at beanie construction and what, what about the set? How do you put satin on the inside? How do you make it sure it doesn't slide off at night? Uh, how do you, because I really wanted something also that was this get up and go, you know, you, you could wear it to bed and then you leave the house without having to, to put in a lot of work uh, to doing your hair. And so uh, there was all these things, pieces that were needed to come together. And over the course of that year, I, I just allowed it to kind of form. And I made the first prototype in February of 2014. You started out by selling your products on Etsy, which I think is super relatable for women entrepreneurs. What did that first experience with e-commerce teach you? So we, this was back when e-commerce was still relatively new. So people were doing like, you know, ordering online and Amazon was of course already in, in business, but people were still having trouble trusting that if I put my credit card in online, one, will it be safe? And two, will I actually get the goods that I ordered? And so we, we started with Etsy and I was just making the, the sales, the products, I should say myself on my own little home sewing machine. And I would, I, I think I even have my first 
the receipt that I made on Word for our, for our first customer. Her name was Doretha Green, I think out, out in like Maryland or something. And, and, and it was, it was very much so I didn't know anything. I didn't, I started very green and I feel like Etsy was a really good space to start getting my feet wet, start interacting with all of the different operational processes that go into the business. Like I said, I had to create my first receipt on a Word document that just kind of looked <laughs> legit. And I put that into the package and I took it to the post office and, and it was a very, a very, um, uh, a basic, I guess, way of, of doing things, but I was learning in the process. And I think it was a good place to, to learn for that. I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle to make that like first big leap from, I figured out how to like sell e-commerce through mm -hmm. Etsy or eBay or Shopify to like, I got my product on the stores of a major retailer. Mm -hmm. How did you get your first retail distribution deal? Sure. So we had been... So our plan from the beginning was to go into retail. We wanted to, we knew that we wanted to go on, to be put on shelves, but because our product was kind of a mix between two worlds, you know, it, it combined the fashion aspect of a beanie, but it had the function aspect of a bonnet. We knew that the product needed an explanation. We couldn't just go directly into Sally's and say, and put it next to the bonnet. And because people would wonder why is this bonnet you know, so much more than the bonnet that I'm looking at. And then at the same time, uh, we couldn't just go into Nordstrom or Macy's directly and put the it in next to beanies because people would wonder why they're satin on the inside of this beanie. And so we knew that the product needed an explanation. And so we partnered with influencers. And at the time in 2014, they weren't called influencers. We just called them YouTubers with a high following. <laughs> you know, we didn't have any sort of, uh, uh, they, they, didn't, they weren't named yet. But we partnered with influencers throughout 2015 to give that explanation, they, to help people to understand that this was a product that combined the fashion, those, those two things, fashion and function. If the, we always say if the beanie and the bonnet had a baby, it would be the slap. And so we, once we kind of started getting traction, we started, we started getting more name recognition and we started seeing uh, that people were understanding it even without needing the explanation because it really did need that explanation it started to become time. So we, we actually talked with a few different consultants and a few different people who could give us some, some good tips on how to get into, into retail stores effectively. So, I, so our first partner was actually JCPenney. And we, um, the way I think that happened, they might've reached out to us actually, this, their salon team reached out to us. And again, it, became, it came from the rec name recognition that we already had. We already had created traction. And so we created a product that, people, that, that retail stores could know had demand, right? So I think that's one big thing that you want. You want to make sure you're partnering with, with uh, stores first that are, are with it, where it are in the pool that your customers are swimming in, right? Um, that's first. And then, so they knew that we had demand. They reached out to us and they, we, we were able to partner. I'm so glad that we have that, had that partnership first because we were, they were very patient with us because retail is really, it's no joke. There's a lot of processes. There's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of, of, of different aspects of it that you don't expect. You think that, oh my goodness, I get my, I get my product on the shelf and I just sit back and watch the cash roll in. That is not <laughs> what retail is. It should really meet your strategic objectives. You know, so if, if you're looking to, to grow name recognition, if you're looking, cause you know what you're doing when you go into retail is you're partnering with another organization and sacrificing margin, some, a lot of margin 
to, so that you can reach more people, right? So the same people that might walk by your product on, on JCPenney's shelf or sit in the salon where your product is, 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 uh, is on, the, on the shelf right over you know, in the corner, Th those same people might not actually come across your website at any point in time, but they're, they're going to go to JCPenney either way and, and might walk by and be like, oh, this is a cool product. And so you're, you're wanting to reach more people. If, you're, if your goal is to reach more people um, with your product, re retail could be the, the solution for you, but you have to know that there's a lot that goes into going into retail, speaking from experience. <laughs> You mentioned that before you got started, you spoke with a number of consultants. Does anything stick out in your mind about what they told you back then about, you know, the process of getting into retail for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. So there, I mean, they, there's so much information when you, when you, as soon as you get into the retail environment, one of the big things that I use, at least on the sales side, which was really helpful for me, was that I never reached out to anyone on LinkedIn, for example. I, that, I use LinkedIn, I would like use LinkedIn as a tool to find out who the buyer or the assistant buyer or the assistant merchandising planner or, or whomever is within the organization. And then I would try to test some nomenclatures, right? So basically what is the email format of the company? Is it at Ulta? Is it at uh, Sephora? Is it at, uh, you know, store dot, so, you know, I just try to test. So is it first name dot last name? Is it, <laughs> is it just uh, first initial and, and combined with last name? And as soon as you kind of, and there, there are a couple that I got just because I emailed them directly that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I had emailed the, or if I had messaged them via LinkedIn. Uh, and so that was one major strategy that in terms of on the sales side, that was really helpful. Um, I think, because we also ship our products for e-commerce, a lot of our products were, weren't yet ready for the shelf, right? And so a lot of uh, advice that we got was in, in getting, making sure the, to getting, in getting the packaging uh, as we needed it to be, to be retail ready. Um, and so they helped a lot with that. Um, and also the benefits of trade shows, they, they help kind of give us some benefits because when you go to trade shows, you're not just, because your goal is not just to get the big box retailers, you know, a lot of these regional uh, stores and boutiques are also, can also be really helpful in, in helping to, to get more uh, exposure. And so uh, they, they, they would list out the, the benefits of trade shows, how to, to work within a trade show, what to bring and, and that kind of a thing. So they were really helpful. There's also something called Clarity FM, I believe that where you can find a lot of experts and you pay them by, I think the minute or, or something like that. And um, there were a couple that we found on there that, that can give you such good nuggets in just, in just, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So. I think a lot of times when people are starting out, they're like, you know, they, they just want to get their product wherever they can get their product. When you were first pursuing retail, did you have a strategy in mind about where you eventually wanted uh, Grace Alea products to be? We did. I think we we, we uh, sorted them out in like our our goal uh, retailers, you know, we had, we had our goal and we kind of didn't, we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves into any one particular 
um, arena. We really do believe a, a lot of the products that we have kind of fit into so many different markets and so many different uh, buckets, essentially. We can go into accessories, we can go into beauty, we can go into um, uh, men's accessories even, winter. There's so many different uh, buckets that our, our products fit into. And so we didn't want to actually pigeonhole ourselves into just one. And so we had our, we, we put our, our goal out. We uh, prayed over it. <laughs> you know, we, we wanted to, we wanted to make sure we we're just going into the right spaces and, and starting with the right partners. Um, and so then our, our, our first strategies, like I said, we would go, we would email the, the customers or sorry, our potential uh, buyers. And, and we, and there were times it's funny because pre uh, 2020, really some of the, these big stores you're, you're, I was going into it with my, with my sister and business partner, we were going into these, these small, I would call them small rooms full of people who make big decisions, right. For these national retailers, we were going into these small rooms with people who had no idea the what was needed for textured hair care, right? And so it was kind of like, uh, let me give it to one of my friends, or let me give it to the multicultural buyer over there. Or, let me give it to so and so, and we'll see. You know, it was one of the. It was, we got a lot of we'll sees. You know, um, and I think that there was a there was a big push toward um, just multicultural education, I think last year, you know, uh, that allowed for a lot, a lot more representation, even in those, those small rooms that really helped, that really helped, uh, to, for people to, to that brought understanding. And so, um, <clears throat> we, we had our goals, the, the ones that were the biggest ones and on our list, you know, like the Ulta's, the Sephora's of the world. Uh, we, like I said, it, it took some time, it took some education. And I think that the, it just, it just became right at some point. Um, and, and we, we got in, you know, so you're now, of course, in multiple stores. How has the process of getting these retail deals changed as the company has grown? And, and sort of what have you learned that you're like, nope, I don't make those mistakes anymore? <laughs> so we're still, I would say we're still in the in the learning process. So you can begin a conversation with the retailer two years before you're on the shelf, right? You can begin a, the conversation well before you actually get into any doors and, uh and the process, and the process in between those, the the time when you start the conversation to when you're on on the shelves, is pretty extensive, right? There's there you have to deal with um, uh, connecting to their systems. Their systems typically are, uh, it's they 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 transmit their purchase orders and different documents through via something called electronic data interchange. I think is what it what it, it's, it's EDI. And I think it stands for electronic data, something, but, you know, so you have to figure out, there's so many things to figure out. There's, there's the IT aspect, which is what I just mentioned with the EDI. But then on top of that, there's very specific requirements that you have to make sure that you're meeting when you're shipping thing, the things have to be labeled correctly. Things have to, um, uh, items, individual items need to be labeled correctly. Boxes filled with individual items need to be labeled correctly. Then you have to make sure you're sending it to the the uh, the the correct document detailing what you're sending and the amounts you're sending. Because with every mistake you make, there's, there's chargebacks, there can be penalties, there's all sorts of different things. And so we had to learn very quickly and we're still learning. We're in the learning process. We're still establishing processes even as, as we speak. But a lot of the mistakes in terms of of returning documents and saying, telling them, oh, hey, we're going to be, this is, these are the goods that we are going to be sending. Uh, we're not making those anymore. Um, you know, we, we, we're making sure, you know, because 
again, we were doing fully e-commerce. We were a family business for so long before we started hiring employees. And so things weren't labeled as they should have been labeled, you know, or, or products weren't, we weren't as, as tight within our, our own systems, making sure that things were labeled, that we had to kind of do a re a revamp to make sure that, that everything was what worked together and symbiotically. So there, we're still learning, but I think that there's that, that once you get into it, <laughs> there, there, you start seeing, oh, wait, there's a lot more to this than, than meets the eye. <laughs> you mentioned that retail isn't sort of what everyone expects it is going mm-hmm. into it. And you have such a strong e-commerce platform on your own and you do give up margins, as you say, when you go into retail. Um, how, how do you make those decisions about what's worth it for you in terms of the, the trade-off? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that we look at it. So again, because we're, you know, I think I went on on vacation and we weren't all on board with the idea of going to retail. It's like, we already have this established, this established e-commerce space. Why do we want to change anything? You know, and we, we weren't all on board with it. Uh, You lose a lot of control with, with retail. Um, You know, you can't, you have to make sure that you're, you, you yourself are a good partner to these retailers and making sure that you're also driving traffic to, to their stores, also to their websites, especially because uh, some of the retail relationships we got was during the pandemic where things were, were closed. So they too were online. And, and so we couldn't be, we don't want to compete with your, with your retail partners. So, um, the decision it took it took a lot for us to make the decision in the first place um but i think once you calculate down you know just go go down your kind of your 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 first you have to like split the income statements right uh between your e-commerce and your and your wholesale and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that you do that permanently. I just mean in terms of you can't look at it the same, right? So when you're sending an order to one customer, you're t- you're sending you know maybe two three products in a bag, and you're you're you you might be sending them to a thousand different people in a given day, spending two three dollars on shipping for every single order that goes out, right, or more. Um, and with with regards to retail, you might be sending a thousand units. Or two thousand units in one shot. So you're not. So you already have have taken out the shipping expense, right? Or, or, or you reduce significantly, I should say, the shipping expense. And then on top of that, you have um, less overhead, for example, because you're not you're not trying. You don't have uh, people. The the preparation process for shipping out uh, two thousand units in one shot might be is a lot less than what it takes to bag pack a uh, thousand different ones. And so. You might not need as many man hours or labor hours on the retail side as you do for for the uh, direct to consumer side. So there's there's give and take. There's trade offs. So you might you again you're losing margin. Uh, and again, so the cost to get a customer also is a lot less on the retail side because they're it, it's their customers that you're that you're getting. So you don't have a really high marketing costs, really high digital advertising costs that you do on the direct to consumer side where you're you have to actually bring people to your store online. You have to bring people into your space so that they can actually place the order. It's a, it's so you have you you lose the that you know marketing costs that it costs to acquire the customer um, when you go retail, but you also lose the margin. So there's literally there's always that give and take and the trade-off. It's all about how to make both or either one um, efficient. Um, but I think what the one of the big things we had to do was kind of separate 
Because if you look at it apples to apples, it looks like you just lost 50% of your, your margin. And now, you know, <laughs> why would we want to do that? <laughs> you know, but if you look at it as two separate, still fruit, but two separate apples and oranges, you know, the, it's a little different. We have different costs that are associated with it uh, on the retail side than we do on the direct-to-consumer side. And so sometimes in some instances, we've even seen that it can be more profitable on the on the retail side than the direct-to-consumer, just because of the little things that you don't even realize on the on the e-commerce side. So I, it's a give and take, I would say. So for your own e-commerce, your website has a customer base of 500,000, which is mm -hmm. um, so impressive. Has cultivating your own customers um, to that degree changed the conversation that you have with potential retailers? Definitely. I think that when when you can come to the table and you can it, and it's kind of it, and it becomes a, an easier conversation. Right. It's 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 that idea of of not being desperate, you know, so it's like, please, you're not we're not coming in with like, please just put my you know, if you can if I can just have one more cup of gruel, you know, then maybe we can make it out of this this horrible situation. If, I, if you're not coming with that one when, when you're not coming with that, that sort of air, it is much more attractive, right? Uh, so we come in and we say, you know, we, we can, we can partner in our marketing efforts. We can, uh, by, by, by telling our 500,000 customers that we're now in your stores, we can drive, we can drive the traffic to your website. We can, we can post it on our social media where we have over hundred thousand followers. You know, like we can, we now have the, a little bit of leverage, I guess, is, is the, is the word to use there that to, to use, uh, when negotiating and when talking through the different deals and, and we become a lot more attractive in that. So now that you've had a few years under your belt and have had a, a lot of success with retail, what is your best advice for other women entrepreneurs with a product to sell about how they should view or approach retail as part of their overall business? I would say that, so I always, I'm always like, just do it, a just do it type of person, you know, I, I just start somewhere. Like I said, one, one big thing, I, I love the time that we're in right now because there was at one point access was something that was really not in our favor, especially as a woman, especially as a woman of color. Uh, you know, the, what, what I said earlier, access to small rooms of people who make big decisions for national brands, for, for these big retail companies. And so right now we're in a time where you can go directly to the consumer. You can actually first test your, your product in, in the hands of directly in the, into the hands of the consumer. Uh, we can talk to them via through by partnering with influencers or we can talk to them directly. We can use Facebook advertising. You can actually test your market and, and find out. We actually, a lot of uh, the stores that were on our, our, our wish list came from our customers who answered questions of where they would wanna see this, this product. And so I, I encourage women on, or entrepreneurs, men and women entrepreneurs to, to test your test your product, test the market, uh, first put it out there, see, get the feedback that, 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 um, that you need before approaching these retailers. And again, if the, the more you see that demand is, is growing, the more leverage that you have when you walk into these rooms. I mentioned in the intro that you're expanding into a full lifestyle brand. What exactly does that mean? And what were the decisions behind what new products you would make and when was the right time to make them? Yeah, so we so we are expanding into a full lifestyle business, which is exciting. We um, uh, our, our goal is to create products uh, that 
make confidence look effortless. That's, that's kind of at the core of, of all of our product development, of all of the things that we want to do. And so that's kind of where, where things started. So because there's so many things that we put our heads against and we put our heads on that could, could cause issues if it's not something that's, you know, if it's something that is moisture absorbing or causes friction. And, you know, there's so many avenues we could go. So we started with, you know, um, pillowcases, but moving into, we, we even have a throw pillowcase right now that's that's a, a design on one side, but then on the other side is satin so that you can, when you're watching TV, you just turn it around and <laughs> you put, you can lay your head down and not worry about your head, your hair being, being uh, compromised as a result of it. And you don't have to go upstairs and get your slap, right? Um, and so that so that's an, a very easy transition into kind of home and and home goods, right? And so another one that other uh, arenas that we're looking into uh, is things like hair care and you know you know uh, I love the idea of helping people to create. Um, their, their look like. I love that, like my tiny little curls can be completely defined, right? And how can you make that an easier process, you know, uh, for people? And so getting into hair care and different aspects of, 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 um, of, hair hair yeah hair care um and just the, and uh, we just created a, a new robe that we're really excited about um that's a that's that robe is gorgeous by the way oh, i was on your you. website looking at it yesterday <laughs> thank you uh, and so just creating again it's the, this idea of creating products where you could wear that you can if you wanted to wear it out you could potentially wear it out uh, but at the same time it's this beautiful thing that you can still feel beautiful within the home and feel comfortable within the home so we decide this still this idea of creating the fashion and the function uh you know creating staples that that you can wear and and lounge with at home but also wear out um also, so just things like that, that we're, we're excited about, about launching in the next couple of years. Making confidence effortless. Making confidence look effortless. Exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Grace, for sharing your small business success story with us. Thank you. Everyone that. out there, please take a look at the company website, gracealaya.com. And that's Grace, E-L-E-Y-A-E. -E. You can also follow them on social media at Grace Alea. Check out BlackEnterprise.com's podcast channel for Sisters, Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise writers, editors, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters, Inc. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show some love by leaving us a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. This is Elisa Gums with Sisters, Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening. <laughs>